Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, I'm Brett, and uh, just as a as a warning, I am recording from an undisclosed location in Europe. Uh, so hopefully, uh, we don't have any issues with the recording quality. But if we do, uh, we apologize, and we uh, thank you for sticking with us in advance. Um, I will be putting this through a rigorous post-production, so you know you're getting our best effort. We wouldn't want to give you anything less. Uh, but with that in mind, I am joined, as always, by my co-host and friend, Steve. Steve, how are you doing? Doing well. Not not from an undisclosed location, but um, feeling very jovial nonetheless as we enter the holiday period, albeit on, on what was uh, probably not the most holiday-friendly Probably not the most holiday-spirited weekend for the, the the conference this week, I'd say. Yes, I would absolutely agree with you. And uh, just so you know, uh, you can expect tons of carrier pigeons from from our listeners uh, as a result of not being in an undisclosed location. With that in mind, uh, I think it is time that we examine what was kind of a weird week for the Big Ten, as uh, Steve was alluding to. Uh, lots of you know teams kind of taking care of business, last games with finals. Uh, and kind of gearing up for the beginning of the meet of the conference season, which we will get into in the preview section. But uh, I think we really have to talk about this Iowa team uh, and what happened this week. Uh, they let Eastern Illinois come in, drop 92 points, uh, and win that and beat them by nine. Uh, it is the biggest spread upset in modern college basketball history, as Iowa was a 31 and a half point favorite. Uh, and, you know, Iowa still was missing Chris Murray, who hasn't played since that Duke game. Connor McCaffrey also sat this one out. But, I mean, giving up 92 points to Eastern Illinois is a lot. And or is it time to start getting worried about what this Iowa team is putting on the floor on a nightly basis, Steve? Well, I, I don't know that I would frame this that way necessarily. But but I, I do think this this is the type of loss that, I mean, can be fatal when it comes to just you know march and, and tournament time I, I think we we talked about last time how you know i iowa actually might be one of the better positioned bubble teams in the big 10 kind of going into the conference season just based on based on what they've accomplished in the non-conference right like they have a win at seton hall they beat clemson you know they, they beat georgia tech they beat iowa state um and you know, was kind of immune from bad losses to this point with losses only to TCU, Duke, and, and Wisconsin in conference play. So I think Iowa was sitting there as one of the better tournament resumes and really the a, 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 a good story, too. Just I don't – I think we expected a, a substantial step back from this team this year. Just first, first of all, just trying to absorb the loss of, of Keegan Murray – um, and several role players as well. So, you know, they, they were well positioned going into this game, but just given how bad this loss is, if, if they're anywhere near the bubble come tournament time, you'll you'll just have to wonder if they slide off will a loss this bad, you know, have been that reason. Uh, but I think when when it comes to just you know what this shows and and maybe you know did this explo- expose a, a flaw or two? I mean. We, we've known up to this point that defense isn't the Hawkeyes' strength, um, and it was an atrocious defensive performance against one of the worst teams in the country. So, you know, I don't know that we actually learned anything about this team. I think it's it's tough when, the, you know, there's no crowd. This game's after finals. Everyone's just trying to get to the break. 
honestly, I think this speaks more to coaching than anything. You have to have your guys ready to just execute and not let a team like this hang around. And, and they didn't. And you just hope if you're a Hawkeyes fan that this isn't what puts them on the wrong side of the bubble come March. Yeah, I, I, I think you're totally right there. I think the an interesting point of this game, I feel like when, when you see these kinds of upsets, it's usually a team like going nuts from three or, you know, the, the losing team kind of really turning the ball over a ton. And neither of those things happened. Um, Illinois, or Illinois State, Eastern Illinois was uh, six of 15 from three and only and, and turned the ball. They, they actually turned the ball over 17 times themselves. Iowa only turned the ball over 11 times. I think the really discouraging thing and, you know, without without. Chris Murray, who's a, a very versatile and effective defender, especially as we talk about kind of rim protection with Iowa's undersized front line. Um, Eastern Illinois shot 67% from two. Um, and so they were really kind of getting getting whatever they wanted. Um, so I think, again, like you said, one blip like this does not mean that they're, the team is terrible and, and won't have any success. But it's, you know, it, it can really kind of derail derail your season. And, you know, kind of with with derailing the season in mind uh not my best transition but you know we're gonna work with it um illinois has now lost two of three after they uh lost 93 to 71 to missouri in the bragg and rights game and i don't know if i've seen something like this out of a out of a brad underwood coach team before and i mean yeah you've got you got 22 from from Terrence Shannon. You got 16 from Meyer. But Coleman Hawkins scored four points. Both Sky Clark and R.J. Melendez didn't score. And I, you, we're seeing Sky Clark's minutes sort of fall, and we're seeing Jaden Epps get more. I mean, I, what's going on with this Illini team? Yeah, I, I mean, my, my inclination or, like, reaction to this game, honestly, as just a – as, as just a college basketball fan, my, my my gut told me that this game was more about Missouri than it was about Illinois. Um, now, th- those are all fair questions, but but I think, you know, Missouri is a, I guess, I, I don't know that I'd call them a team on a roll, but right, like, you know, they came off the buzzer beater this past weekend. You know, they've got a ton of momentum. They've got, you know, confidence, I think, in their program just building. I know they haven't played the toughest schedule, but you know, they're off to an 11-1 start. They're relevant for the first time in a few years. I think, you know, all the credit to them for 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 showing up. And and I, I think just in, in the context of Illinois, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to point the finger at, at Underwood first, just because on the surface, you know, to, to the point that you made this, when things seem to be falling off the rails so bad, you know, it, it you want to start with the coach and frankly, like some of the things that he's just his behavior to the media and all these things don't, they don't, they don't exactly uh, make everyone around the program feel like things are under control and like there's calm and they're going to turn it around. You know, it, it feels like he personally just in watching him speak to the media is, you know, is, is, is about to lose it. And, and so, um, I, I, I do think you have to kind of start with coaching and, and ask the question there. But but I think when, when it comes to just X's and O's and the construction of this team, I mean, um, th- at the end of the day, this is a team that's full of a bunch of solid players. Uh, but w- w- what's carried them through the last couple of years has been star power, you know, with IO, with Kofi, 
and 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 they just they don't have star power. I mean, Terrence Shannon is the closest thing to a superstar, and I mean, fair debate on whether he fits that build or not. But um, as with any team, when your role players don't play well, especially you know you're in a neutral site here as opposed to at home. I mean, you're you're exposed to this type of performance, and it seems like other than you know Mr. Shannon everyone else in that lineup, Clark, Melendez, Hawkins, Meyer has been up and down at best, I think, to start the season. And that's why they are where they are. I'm, I'm with you there. I think, you know, I, I think something interesting is going to be watching how Sky Clark's minutes fluctuate with that, with those of Jaden Epps. Um, I think, you know, obviously having, having two freshmen as your kind of, as your ball handling guards on offense, and then looking at how they impact the point of attack on defense is, is going to be, something that, that we were going to have to watch as big 10 season rolls on. But I, I do think I, I, I do want to give credit to Missouri, as you said, I mean, Dennis Gates has really come in and, and really turned this program around. They're, they're playing some great basketball right now. And, and I'm interested to see how they keep that up the rest of the season. But yeah, I think it, it even Underwood may have gone a step too far with his post game press conference after Penn state kind of calling out his guys and, you know, they should be able to kind of take some of that, but you, it is rare. You see guys, coaches throw their guys under the bus like that. And so maybe, maybe, maybe there's just some irreparable differences there right now. That's, that's all speculation on my part, but the, the lackluster effort, I think, especially defensively has to be killing him. They gave up almost one and a half points per possession against Missouri. And yeah, I mean, Kobe Brown had a really nice game with 31 points. You got Des Moines Hodge with 20, but I mean, at a certain point you got, you can't be giving up 93 points uh, when you're, when you're a, t- a team that, that has the ability to play defense at a, at an effective level, uh, you know, to a, to a team that's still, even though hot right now in Missouri, they're still, we're, we're not great last year and, and Illinois should, uh, you know, obviously be better than that on the defensive end. So the, the, the one other point I'll just make too, is I think we have to keep in mind and I, I don't want to necessarily give Underwood credit for doing something that he's not doing, but you know, if, if there's a time in the season that, you, you want to go through the growing pains per se, and that, you you know, you, you might want to be caught. And, and if there's a time that it's okay to kind of be pulling these antics, now's the time of the year to do it, right? Like not in the middle of February when you're fighting through a tough stretch, you know, in the big 10, when you have four, four out of six games, you know, on the road and like half of them are against ranked teams, right? Like that's not the time to do it. And now it might be. So I think now's the time for reflection for Illinois. There's still plenty of time for them to kind of turn things around. And I, I think by no means are they like in danger of not making the tournament, but uh, I, expectations, I think in my book were for this team to run away with the big 10. And so I think if they, you know, now, now's a great time for them to sort of pause, get everything together, figure out what they need to fix and, and be ready to roll come the new year. Totally agreed. Yeah. I think, I think it'll be an interesting test case. Uh, and you know, they've got one more tune up game before they, they head to Northwestern. And I think that'll be a good measuring stick of, of where they are, uh, just kind of like, you know, emotionally and mentally, um, to say nothing about basketball ability, uh, you know, as, as we get towards, uh, the big 10 season, the last game, I think we want to talk about in depth, uh, was the Jumpman classic in Charlotte, uh, Michigan did get up, did get off to an early lead against, North Carolina. So I think we had kind of framed this game as a battle of the bigs, as a two teams that had kind of expectations that were not quite meeting them at the beginning of the season um, and kind of a good measuring stick for where Michigan was uh, against some, some solid power five competition after a, a, you know, some, some games where 
I mean, I guess Minnesota is technically power five competition if you if you think about it. But uh, but I think getting back into like the upper echelon of, of talent and um, Michigan did kind of jump out to an early lead and then was uh, North Carolina quickly took control of the game uh, in terms of battle of the bigs. It really wasn't much of a battle uh, as as uh, Armando ba- Armando Baycott had 26 points uh, and five rebounds compared to Hunter Dickinson's nine points and eight rebounds. Um, I think the the interesting thing that I saw this game uh, was that, you know, in addition to Jet Howard continuing to play well and Doug McDaniel, although with not the greatest shooting night, still was showing, you know, signs of being more than capable of running the offense. Um, Kobe Bufkin has had a really, really strong run of play recently. And I think Michigan's going to need him to to be able to do that consistently uh, if they really want to, you know, keep make an impact in the Big Ten and, and the tournament. So I guess, Steve, what were your takeaways from this game before we kind of talk about before our, before we dig more into what Michigan needs to do to kind of get out of this? Uh, well, so I, I think from this game specifically, I, I mean, what kept Michigan from winning this game was Hunter Dickinson's, you know, poor performance, which, you know, again, it's hard to knock the guy just given he's second in the conference in scoring and probably going to be an all, all conference player, player, you know, maybe even an all American, but, you know, the, uh, only putting up nine and eight, uh, in just a, you know, a game where he's going up another against another premier guy with the national spotlight on him, um, in foul trouble for a little bit. I think that, I think if you get even a performance that's close to the mean from Hunter Dickinson, they, they win this game just given how close it was. And so, um, I, I think that that's that's my biggest takeaway in, in looking at the game in particular. But I think the from the team perspective, I, I also think this was a worse than average performance on on their defense. Um, and you, you know, it, it, it's hard. I, I know you said we were going to get to the context in a second, but it's hard to really put this game in context, right? Because I mean, North Carolina, they are you know they are the defending national finalist right like the i mean i think when when you looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year you expected this to be a a game against a top 10 to top 15 team and you know because they've had some early season struggles you know this game doesn't look that way on paper right now but um you know a lot of that team's still there and even though you know North Carolina may end up underseeded just because they're not going to get a lot of great opportunities in the ACC to really like improve their resume unless they like win the regular season outright. I don't know that I look at this as like a bad loss from the the tournament perspective. Um, and, and maybe I'll just leave it at that because I think you wanted to talk a little bit about where this this leaves Michigan heading into conference play. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right about the defensive end, and I think that. It, it certainly was not encouraging that that North Carolina and I mean Baycott's Baycott's an, an All American caliber player um, in at the college level um, obviously and but I mean he was just kind of taking Dickinson to the woodshed and I you know we've talked about how the it's the conference isn't going to be as big man dominated but there's still a lot of of guys that will be able to kind of take advantage of Dickinson if he's just not going to play defense like this so am I extremely worried if I'm a Michigan fan. No, but this was their last, and then kind of moving into the context of, of the regular season as a whole, or the non-conference season as a whole, this was their last chance for a, anything even close to a marquee non-conference win. And, uh, they couldn't get the job done. Um, so right now you're looking at Michigan 
that has their best win is over a Pittsburgh team uh, that I guess has has won three in a row, but has losses to Vanderbilt. Yeah, has losses to Vanderbilt, and their best win is probably Northwestern. So, and I I know it's kind of transitive wins and and all that, but I mean, you know, Michigan has one top hundred win in Ken Palm for as of right now, and that's you know they'll get more. Like they they will win a lot of games in the Big Ten. I am I am sure of it, but. It's it's something that you have to at least begin to consider as you as you kind of as we get set to turn the calendar to 2023. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. I mean, I think this is sort of the the classic no good wins, no bad losses resume right now. Yeah, and, and I mean, I say that with, they have a loss to Arizona State out there, and Arizona State just got run out of the building by USF earlier this week. So I mean, but you know, I, I don't think that's a bad loss at this point, but. Um, yeah, I think, look, if you're if you're a Michigan fan and you're looking for signs of encouragement, they've played Virginia, Kentucky and North Carolina all pretty tight, which I think shows that they can compete in these games um, that they, they, they just haven't won them yet. And, you know, they're still a team that really doesn't not returning very much from last year, despite Dickinson coming back. And so I think if you're looking for a reason for optimism, that's it. But, yeah, I mean, I think you do the math on what they need to do to make the tournament. I mean, they probably need to finish, you know, 12 and seven the rest of the way in, in conference play, which not impossible. It's a weaker big 10 this year, but um, you know, that, that's a, that's a tall task. I think to just expect out of a team that's been middling to start the year. All right. So just a couple quick hitters before we move on to a, an abbreviated preview um, Northwestern completed its uh, Chicago season sweep by thrashing UIC, and I think you know we're having we're we're having the same exact conversation we had about Northwestern last year, which is better than having the oh wow they're really bad conversation. But you know we're gonna we're it's good to see them stack wins like this, um, and it's good it's been good to see them competitive in the in one of the games they lost at least. Um, and but I mean you know I. I think we'll believe it when we see it as it's called, as it's often the case with Northwestern. Um, but I think, I think Chris Collins did a good job of getting his guys rolling and, and, you know, putting them in position to be confident as they head towards really the meat grinder of, of the big 10. Uh, they, they, as they start with Ohio state and Illinois back to back at home. Um, so I think that's good. Very good to see if you're, if you're a Wildcats fan, uh, I mean, they, they've won both their last two games by 30 points. Um, so not much more you can ask for against, all right, competition in that regard. And then moving a bit east, Xavier Johnson for Indiana has had surgery on his foot this week. So he's out, I believe, indefinitely. Um, they hope that he will return this season. Obviously a huge blow for Indiana as uh, he's been a, a relatively steady hand at point guard this year uh, and going back to last year. But um, so now now we're going to see some interesting lineup conversation or lineup, lineup combinations, see how creative Mike Woodson can get. You know, Jalen hood Shafino can is probably going to handle the ball a little bit more. We'll probably see more Tamar Bates, who's shooting the ball better this year. Um, and Indiana was able to, to get by Kennesaw State without Xavier Johnson or Trace Jackson Davis. Um, not much you can really take away from that game, except that they should probably improve their defense a little bit. But I think, you know, we'll see kind of obviously this brings the ceiling down for Indiana a little bit. But as long as you have Trace Jackson Davis and kind of the rest of that crew, if they can find guys to set the table. So hood Shafino. Um, or, or Bates maybe uh, in a more, you know, reserve role. Um, hopefully they can keep it moving. Do you have any, any thoughts before we move on to the preview, Steve? No, I would say it was, I mean, 
the the rest of the conference kind of took care of business in their under the radar games. And then, I mean, you know, really kind of an extended break for everyone around the holidays. There are no games, I think, from the 24th of December all the way through the until the 29th. So kind of an extended break for the conference coming up here. Yeah, so I think as everyone kind of finishes finals and, and gets a little bit of a breather and and some rest before before the the really jumping into conference season. So I think we'll end with just a few previews. Um, I think that there are some interesting games as we get conference season rolling again. Um, so that will pick up on Thursday, which uh, I believe is the that is the 29th. Uh, so we've got. Iowa and Nebraska, um, and I think, I mean, both these teams really need this game, I think. You know, Iowa is going to want to show that they, you know, that Eastern Illinois game was a fluke. I think they're hoping to have Chris Murray back. I think he's still unknown. I think there's a better chance that they get Connor McCaffrey back. And I'm interested to really kind of see what this clash of styles is now. Hoiberg's got Hoiberg's got Nebraska playing at, at uh, the, you know, 252nd. Uh, fastest tempo so they, they're playing very slow this year and Iowa is playing it's it's predictable kind of breakneck pace they're they're top 40 in tempo so I think whoever controls the style is going to win because we've seen Hoiberg's teams try to play fast and it's usually very out of control um, so if they can slow the game down and, and really make Iowa work on defense that will work to their advantage I really want to see uh, if I'm Nebraska if I'm Nebraska fan I want to see how Derek Walker plays against Robracha. I don't think Robracha is going to offer much resistance and and Walker, if they can get him the ball on the half court should be able to have a big day in that game. So I think that's, what's going to be top of mind besides Chris, Chris Murray's potential return. So what do you got for Sunday, Steve? Yeah. So we've, we've got three, three interesting conference games coming up on Sunday. So um, first off, Maryland heads to Michigan I think we've we've documented Maryland's struggles over the last you know a couple of weeks or so. So they you know they 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 lost three in a row, albeit all to quality competition after starting off the season undefeated. Um, and they bounced back with a win against St. Peter's this week. They've got another opportunity for a tune-up against UMBC on the 29th. Um, but yeah, I mean you know haven't really proven themselves on the road yet. You know, they, they fell short just against Wisconsin in their first conference game. So, you know, um, great, great test here. Right. Um, I, I think for Michigan, it's about, you know, can we get continue to see strong play from Kobe Bufkin out of the guard slot? And, um, you know, can Hunter Dickinson dominate down low? So Maryland d- does not really have a, a big that can match him on the defensive end. But what they do have are. Um, good one-on-one wings that can score, you know, like Dante Scott being a perfect example of that. And so you, they, they should win the the matchup of the wings there. And if they're going to want to get this road win, they're, they're going to need to outshoot. Dante Scott's going to have to outplay Jet Howard. And so I think, you know, look to that matchup in particular to see kind of who, who wins, who wins here. I think also we've got Iowa with its second consecutive road game. And I guess, you know, three days going to Penn State. Um, it'll be another example of how does Iowa's fast pace clash with Penn State and their one-on-one, you know, slow it down ways. Penn State's already got one quality win um, in conference play this year against Illinois. Um, and, you know, and for Iowa, it's danger time, right? I mean, they need that win against Nebraska. 
you know, and then again, there's no breaks in the conference season. They go right on the road to Penn State. I mean, they drop these two. They're they're probably at this point falling off the the tournament grid. So, I mean, I, I say at worst for Iowa, they need to go one of two this week. Um, and then you you just talked about Northwestern, Ohio State taking on Northwestern. You know, this uh, Northwestern with with again its, its opportunity to get its its second marquee conference win kind of early on here can they continue their momentum that they've you know built over the last couple of weeks piling up these wins against lesser quality opponents you know chase audish has really shined you know for for them really you know in the last couple of weeks but throughout this season too i think you know look for him to be a, a game breaker and i think yeah with with ohio state we've sort of had them kind of in the middle here where They've they've hung tough against quality competition, but you know, we we really don't know about them at this point. Like whether they're they're sort of in a similar boat as Michigan, where you you know you're looking at a resume with you know yeah they have a few more quality wins than Michigan, um, definitely, but like you know, also no bad losses there. And so I think for for as far as momentum for Ohio State, uh, let's see if they can pick up this this road win. Um, especially they, they might be looking ahead to, you know, the number one team in the country, Purdue, who they've got at home, um, you know, in the first week of January. So th- these games right out of the break are always interesting to see, like, you know, who's been really <laughs> preparing and, and who hasn't. And, yeah, I mean, I think, again, for Ohio State, great opportunity to pick up a road win. Um, and for Northwestern, an opportunity to prove to the rest of the conference that they're actually for real with their second quality win of the conference season. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really good. Really good synopsis. A lot of stuff to watch for. I think it's, you don't want to overreact to anything this early in the season, but we're really kind of getting to a certain point for some of these teams where they got to start accumulating wins and no better time, like the beginning of conference season. Um, so I think that will do it for us this week. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, if you can, it would be real great to get some uh, some five-star ratings on Apple, Spotify, wherever you can. Um, you know, that would be, that'd be fantastic. We would appreciate that. Uh, and with that said, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.